Welcome to Jokerman again. Uh, I'm Evan. I'm Ian. And today we are joined by... Molly Lambert. Welcome the one to and the only. stew. The Thanks stew. for having me. I'm so excited to get jumped into the Jokerman today. We are thrilled to have you. I, I you know, I, I don't want to be too much of a fanboy or anything, but I've been, been reading you since the Grantland days, so it's, uh, it, it feels good to chat. Well, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm a big fan also of, of your guys' pod. Um, That's feel, no idea. Really. Feel, you guys, I think, were also accidentally at the Heidi World launch party. Well, I think we have, we have a was. mutual friend. Yeah, Julia. Her, uh, and I, I felt synergy because I was, I was excited about that. Because I was like, man, I would love to go on Jokerman. And now... Here we are. Here we are. It's amazing. It's happening. Uh, do you have any? Uh, so right, right now, obviously, Heidi World running uh, on all podcast platforms. Fantastic look at uh, what, what's the billing like the secret history of Los Angeles and uh, and uh, you know Heidi Fleiss's story. Uh, do you have any like Bob Dylan Heidi World connections? Because I noticed you've been doing everything is connected to to I Heidi do. Fleiss. There's actually an entire section about Bob Dylan in episode, I believe. Five? Shit. Okay, I've only four? gotten I've only gotten through the first three so far. Okay, okay, you'll know it when you hear it because okay. there is a segment about I think it's in four. I think it's in four. Okay. It's about Hearts of Fire. It's oh, about the movie. Yes, it, there's Incredible. a whole. You'll you'll definitely know it when you hear it. There's a okay. whole part about Bob Dylan about somebody asking somebody if they've fucked Bob Dylan because they love to have sex with Jewish intellectuals Whoa. and. Um, somebody bringing out a copy of Hearts of Fire at a threesome. <laughs> Holy shit. You mean so, like a video? Like a, like yeah, a... there's like a threesome and... A videotape. It's oh like my God. top of the top, state of the art at the time. It's I like, cannot, check it um, out. We can watch this brand new VHS of Hearts of Fire, which will get everybody in the mood. Yeah, I but cannot that's... imagine a less sexually titillating motion picture than Hearts of Fire. <laughs> that's amazing, you know, because Hearts of Fire, you know, it's a movie you want to watch. You want to have the ability to watch multiple times. You want to see it again. You know, when you first see it, you want to be able to have that that copy so you can watch it again. <laughs> Um, so that's that's amazing. Have you seen Hearts of Fire yourself, Molly? I have seen Hearts of Fire, and I almost watched it again for this podcast. Wow! It didn't started have the making tape. me. It started making <laughs> me want to just you know watching the music videos, which is what we we're going to talk about today. Yes. Made me want to go really just as deep as humanly possible into the Bob Dylan cinematic universe, which is like pretty varied. Very much so. Yeah. Some it's of like the. It's occasional. Yes, occasional and um, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, and not much kind of in the middle. It's either going to be some of the greatest shit ever committed to celluloid, or it's going to be Hearts of Fire, uh, and there's not not a whole lot of medium medium quality stuff in between. Look, it's not Bob Dylan's fault that the director of Hearts of Fire died in the middle of making the movie. Yeah, Lawrence Kasdan of fucking Star Wars Episode Five fame. Yeah, insane. Oh, um, what a world. I don't think that his survival would have saved the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how much easier is it to blame a film bombing on like, well, he, the director died. He passed away. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Most directors wish they could die when their movies bomb. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some wish they could, they could die while they're making it. You know, just <laughs> let's just not see how, how this ends. Uh, well, we have a list of 
of videos. We're talking about music videos. Music. I can't believe we haven't done this yet, but I'm so thrilled that we haven't because this is this is such a perfect concept. Uh, Bob Dylan music videos, all the greatest hits. Not all of them, but but some of our favorites, uh, spanning from like '84 to well, actually right up until today. But we'll save that one for the end. Um, it's uh, it's it's quite an art form here, uh, the music video. And what I love about Bob videos in general, just before we talk about any of them, is that they kind of like start and hit in this like primo like MTV phase in the middle of the 80s and extend up to like early mid 90s. And it's just like the absolute glory days of the medium in general. Um, and uh, it's not something that you would necessarily expect from Bob. But I think what, uh, you know, the videos that we're going to talk about, and as, as you'll see if you watch Long at Home, really some, uh, some striking visual uh, I mean, I think, I think one of the things about, yeah, because I, I love this too, but like you were saying, it's like, there's something I love, and a lot of Heidi World is about this in a weird way, but it's like the 60s guy in the 80s yes. is like a thing I've always been obsessed with. My brother and I made all these mixes about it called Glass Bricks that were about like, <laughs> you know, there's nothing better than like a 60s guy getting a synthesizer and yes. being like, you know, what can I do with a big budget? Let's find out. And I feel like, you know, yeah, one of one of Bob's strengths is he never gets trapped in an era. So the fact that you guys focus on sort of like 80s Bob Dylan, which is fascinating. Um, the music videos are like the the truest uh, expression of 80s Bob Dylan. Because, yeah, he's like he's not too cool to make a fucking music video. Exactly. No. It, if anything, he is as uncool as he really ever was uh, during this, like, music video glory day. Yeah, and that's era. why I think he and Neil Young, to me, are the ones who sort of, like, get through that era without, you know, having it steal their soul because yes. they, they're they just they're themselves. Incompatible. <laughs> it just doesn't work with that, that era. Exactly. Like, the, I feel like maybe the videos, um, the reason why Bob did them, the only reason is because they were so big at the time that you couldn't not be doing it if you're Bob Dylan, if you're yeah, a star. Yeah, I'm sure the label was telling him, like, you gotta well, put yeah, some videos Well, yeah, I feel out. like there's all these things right now about artist mandatory TikToks. I, I just saw that, yeah. It. Yeah, like, yeah. Halsey's have, got something yeah. like that, Halsey right? and, like, Charlie XCX and all these people just making, and Doja Cat does this a lot, making these TikToks and just being like, okay, I'm only doing this because the label said if I don't do a hundred of them a day, like, I, I die. Um and and Bob, yeah, it's like, but he doesn't bring that like snottiness. It's not like he's like acting too good to make a music video, and they do put him in like the cool suit or whatever. Oh yeah, and it's just, <laughs> it's just so funny. It's incredible. Um, well, let's maybe yeah, let's take it jump away. into it. All right, without any further ado. Uh, first one on the docket, namesake video. We talked about this a little bit before, but I'm glad that we're coming back to it here at the end because it still just blows me fucking away. One of the greatest pieces of music video art of all time. It's Joker Man, folks. It's the Joker Man video. Dude, I watched the Joker Man video. I, don't, I had never seen it. I knew the song, but I did not... I get, you know, I feel like I'd seen some of the videos on this list, but yeah, some of these videos, it's like they were not big hits at the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you didn't see them later on like VH1 Classic or whatever, um, the way you did see Traveling Wilburys videos. Oh, can't but, wait to get to those. Man, what a what a beautiful piece of video art the Joker Man video is. 
I'm so I, jealous I, I that you got you. to see it, like, just for the first time again. Like, I wish I could see it for the first time again. <laughs> I messaged one of you, I don't know who runs the Twitter, but it's saying that I was had become medically addicted to the Joker Man video. That was me. It's it's a, it's a 50-50 split, whether you're going to get me or Evan, but that was that was me the other I night. saw it, but yeah. But it was like I listened to it a few times, and then I just kept being like, man, I could really go for a Joker Man right now just to <laughs> reset the vibe. It's like a very long song also um i came to yeah i came to a theory now just this right now which is that it is it is sort of on the same plane with like the scorsese's king of comedy in a way real oh say more okay it's like the 80s bob dylan it's introducing you to like new wave bob dylan right which is Mm -hmm. like for somebody so deeply associated with the 60s and 70s it's like you can't even imagine it almost and Again, it's like because he just never gets stuck in anything. He never is like, this is my thing. Going to do this now. Mm-hmm. So he's giving it a try. But I don't know. It's like he's like, just seeing him in a suit. I felt like a strong stand up comedian vibe, you know? <laughs> yeah, especially yeah, the white the white suit with the wide kind of lapels and stuff. It really is a striking, striking uh, look for him. There's something of that like uncanny uh, Thing of seeing Jerry Lewis in the King of Comedy, like when you see Dylan out of context here, it, or in a very unusual context right. for him, um, he is kind of like out of his. Uh, I mean, just look at it. Uh, yeah, at and I think he's doing a thing that he'll kind of get into more, you know, as he becomes older, which is the sort of like leaning into the like I'm a showman. Yes, I'm a magician. You know. I'm this mysterious figure who's always existed throughout time, but he puts on the 80s suit. He's not, he's not too cool to be like, to put on the Armani suit, but it doesn't fit. It looks ridiculous. (laughs) It looks like something. And Um, then he sings the most beautiful haunting song of all time, the Joker man, which again, I also, maybe that's the King of comedy connection here is it's like, he's the fucking Joker Joker man. He's the Joker man. He's the jester commenting on, uh, (laughs) on the day. Yeah. And it's the eighties now. And what a weird tone shift it must be if you are a sixties guy. And then all of a sudden it's the fucking eighties. Whiplash. Um, you actually do get to see the Joker man yeah, there, in this video the, also. The Joker. Incredible cut, or uh, I guess, what is it, more of a fade from a zoom in on the actual Joker, and then it's Reagan with his hands against his fucking ears, sticking his tongue out. The the uh, the stuff that isn't Bob in the beautiful Miami Vice suit, uh, whether it's like the Hieronymus Bosch and Picasso paintings, or like the atom bomb mushroom cloud, or these weird kind of like um, animated videos of like birds flying around yeah, with a lot the of moon. famous it's works of art too. incredible like stuff a lot of it's Goya, very it's very contemporary of... i thought actually because it's like a lyric video basically yeah totally yeah it seems like something that someone like like it, it's not too far off from what people are doing on tiktok at this point like just yeah, little absolutely. animations with the with the subtitled text and stuff like you could watch again, this video think, like, on mute and be totally satisfied yeah and i think something again that i like about guys like like bob dylan and like neil young is like yeah they're not they're not closed off to the idea of new technologies ever they're always like hey there's a new type of art to make i want to do that too like yes. i am you know interested in everything and so yeah, it's just like it's a good video. 
really as good as it gets. Not something then that, uh, you know, unfortunately got a lot of MTV airplay. As no, far it's as hilarious to think of this airing on MTV in the middle of like a block of, you know, Motley Crue or whatever. Yeah, take is. on me. Yeah. Something you basically have to read. You have to sit and read on, <laughs> on MTV. Like yeah, in the era it, of the it, most like bombastic visual uh just like Although, these... you know, you're making me think like another video they did show all the time was the Van Halen Right Now video, mm. which this is also a little bit like. I don't know if you guys are familiar, I'm familiar with the Van Halen Right Now video, but it was a very famous Sammy Hagar era Van Halen video oh. that was entirely text and images. And I think they never show Van Halen, but it's all statistics and it's all like right now like somebody is starving like right now somebody is having sex and like somebody else is not having sex uh wow yeah right now oil companies and old men are in control Right now, it's business as usual in the woods. Jesus, I've never seen this before. This oh, is a very guys, like it, rage is, against the machine kind of. Uh, this uh, is very like concept. that's the thing. It's like some of these text videos. Like again, just Dylan a little bit ahead of his time, maybe always, but just with that thing too. If he is like the perennial outsider, right, in every era. So him being sort of the like the man standing outside in the eighties. Correct. Makes sense. You know, it sounds like that song's sort of about how the world is political, you could say, mm. actually. Sort of about a political world. Right, it's sort of a political song. world that we live in. <laughs> well, on that Not note... Not to jump the gun on that, but... Um, should we talk political world, or should we just go along to... Well, I did just make a you know, sort of beautiful transition. All right, so we'll, we'll go with the transition. Should... Political world, it is. From 1989, uh, lead single off of Oh Mercy. This is... Uh, not the highest concept music video I think that I've ever seen, uh, and yet one that is endearing to me nonetheless. I love this one for some reason. <laughs> it's very, it's very silly to me because um, it, it takes the work, the concept of political world like very literally. It's ju- it's just like Bob on a stage in front of some sort of like jingoistic American based painting, smoke filled like, room, uh, you know. Of- right. Did legend. you guys know this video is directed by John Mellencamp? No, the cougar himself. That's what it says. What the hell? No. Oh. On the YouTube here. Oh, my God. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, directed by John Mellencamp. You know, I can see that, though, because I remember we talked to Stephen Hyden uh, a couple months ago about Mellencamp on one of our Zevon episodes, and he was telling us <clears> about <throat> Mellencamp having this sort of fixation on, like, the forgotten blue-collar Midwestern Union man yeah. around this same period of time. So yeah, for I, sure. I, I think all like, of those guys. I mean, that's yeah. like, at, you know, Springsteen and, you know, Randy Newman, like everybody cool. I just uh, saw in a theater, this will also be a good segue, but I just saw Paul Schrader's Blue Collar in a oh. theater. Oh, I almost is, saw that in the theater and I'm, it I is, regret that I didn't. It was it's so great. Such a fucking good movie. But also, yeah, this kind of. The fixation on the forgotten American man. It's funny to watch stuff like that now and be like, imagine having a job that's like secure for 20 years. Right, exactly. (laughs) Fucking a pension for uh, working on an auto line. Yeah, like uh, in in 
in blue collar, they all like own homes in Detroit. And you're just like, man, I don't think people at the Amazon factory own homes in Detroit. <laughs> like, you know, it's all about how much it sucks. And you're like, wow, it really didn't occur that you could just get things could get so much worse. Yep. Um, but we live in a political world, as they say. We do. This video itself, like visually, if we can just talk about that for a moment, it's like, it's one of my favorite. I don't know. It's really grown on me because in this video, there's like a shot where there's like a, a candelabra and it's all dark and there's like an American flag and Bob Dylan's playing in front of it wearing like a big, huge baggy shirt, enormous like a long sleeve t-shirt with a, another big long, uh, short sleeve T like a, a Cobain, uh, pre grunge era look. Uh, and it, he's playing for like a horrible and, group of, of, of the elites. Uh, uh, it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's like some sort of proto eyes wide shut vibes going on yeah. here. Like not quite that far, obviously, oh, definitely but like Illuminati, Bohemian yeah. Grove vibes. Exactly. I mean, it's very funny. It's also like, I know I keep bringing Neil Young up, but, uh, you know, like this notes for you, I think kind of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Satirizing American culture. <laughs> And, no. and doing it in a very on the nose way. It's just like yeah. a bunch of beautiful blonde women and like got like it looks like I there's mean, like look, American honestly, generals and check like check out Heidi World. You will not exactly. <laughs> this feels like a, like a, a an uh, artist's what, rendition of a Heidi World kind of evening. That's what it's like, apparently. You know, in the in the secret rooms. Yeah, yeah. The, I think that there's uh, to read into his outfit here a little bit. There's a <laughs> there's an importance to the fact that he's wearing sort of like grungy. Uh, regular street clothes because if he was dressed to the nines it might uh send the wrong message here you know he right he's, he's being not... forced to play for the elites in a right. weird smoky room exactly uh scenario i mean look i mean when you're bob dylan you probably get invited to some weird shit also i think no he's question. wearing leather pants Just i like think his pants are leather break. <laughs> Wait, really? I think. Wait, is that, that Mellencamp that... there? Sorry, you're not watching at the same time as me. No, I probably not. <laughs> oh. But I, I think I see sort of a gleam of light off of his pants, and that leads me to wonder uh, if they are. Are they blue leather pants instead of denim? I think I it's denim. I think it's denim. Is it yeah. jeans? Okay. It's sort of hard to tell. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's sort of hard to tell. Uh, this video in particular, and yeah, we, we get this in a lot of these videos, is just like very poorly lit. Um, and so it's, it, it's, it's was well lit for, for drama. Right. Yeah. It leaves something to the imagination, we could say. Um, anyways, it's uh, it's a very fun video. And it's also just Bob and some I don't know who that is behind him on the guitar, but it's just the two of them playing. That's who I thought might be John Mellencamp. Is that Mellencamp? It, I don't it think might it is, be. Actually. There's also um, a really weird painting behind him that reminds me, as long as we're still talking about that uh, angle, it's sort of like the creepy art in like Jeffrey Epstein's That's house. exactly what it made me yes. think of also, and I am glad you said that. But <laughs> it was like self-referential that like, was part of what was trophy so pieces crazy they... about all the Epstein stuff was like, wait, all this stuff is real and it's exactly on the nose of what you would think it would be like, <laughs> of like yeah, but crazy the creepiest... paintings of political figures in a Hieronymus-Bosch context. Like yeah, way too obvious. Like, it, it would be too on the nose if you wrote it into a script, and yet it's you just know, reality. It's cliche for a reason, apparently. But that's what makes it so eerie, is that, like, they must know that that's kind of on the nose, and they do it anyway as just kind of, like, part of their fucked up 
elite culture. I think it's just like what they think is the coolest thing ever. Is You're probably like... right, honestly. I mean, yeah. to be honest, if I had an enormous painting of, of Bill Clinton in like a in a dark blue ball gown, I, like that's pretty sick. Well, I would probably today put that. actually in Heidi World episode seven, which came out today when we were recording, uh, we t- discussed Heidi talks about how she provided escorts to members of the Bush and Clinton administrations, Bush the first. Uh, she was often called on to supply escorts for political events. I'm shocked to hear that uh, both the the Republican and Democratic uh, administrations of the bipartisan issue, yeah. hand jobs across the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk about reaching reaching around the aisle. That's how it all works. Is that a political expression in reaching around the aisle? Yeah, <laughs> reaching around. <laughs> sort of a portmanteau. Um. All right, political worlds. We went out of. We've already gone out of order, but we had a segue earlier. Let's get there because this is maybe my favorite of all the videos. You were just mentioning Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader, exactly. His 1985 neo, like Japanese neo noir masterpiece, tight connection to my heart. Has anybody seen my love? One of the best music videos I have ever seen. And once again, (laughs) I had never seen it, and I could not believe it. This one is really a treat. It is. Yes, Tokyo Vice, Bob Dylan, and it's Paul Schrader, so it's a legit music video with kind of yes. a story, kind of a, just 1985, it's very like, yeah, it's peak MTV, he's wearing mm-hmm. a suit, there's some <laughs> oh, babes God. in the video. Um, that shot of him sitting on the edge of the bed, just I from love behind. That. Yeah, with the shirt, yeah, and he's like looking out the window, it's incredible. Yeah, a little bit of sex, a little bit of violence, a little bit of singing, a little bit of dancing. This is everything that you could possibly want in a nice, tidy four or five minute package. Also, I got to say the drip is unmatched in this video. Oh, truly. <laughs> is wearing all of the coolest outfits I've ever seen. The shirt, the, just the shirt he's wearing for most of it, like that short sleeve button down that's like kind of gray blue and it's got like some neon green, neon pink with palm trees on it. Just absolutely out of this world. I, I mean, I'm always just in awe of Dylan as an actor because he can make the smallest movement seem fake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like he's he... getting pulled away by the cops and he doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> and somehow he feels like three seconds with bad acting uh-huh. <laughs> in a way that like I can't, I don't even know. How? But he does it in a compelling manner. Like, you wouldn't want him to be behaving in a more realistic way. No, it's just like his music. It makes you think about music. You know, just like <laughs> it makes you think about acting. Right. You look at him acting, and you think, oh, it's interesting that people are acting. I, I, just, I can't tell for the life of me, like, what the act... Like, there is clearly some sort of narrative here, but I can't understand... I think understand. he's being framed for a murder or something. Is that what it is? Yeah. That's what I think, because the right. cops come get him... He goes to jail. Flashback of him caressing a, a woman's face in sepia. I love that I'm not, and that woman is screaming in the cutaway. Like, I yeah. just, I love not knowing also, because, like, I feel like this was what made, like, in a weird way, I do think music videos are just, like, they were, they're the, uh, the erotic locus of everything it's like because <laughs> you don't know what's going on necessarily like just when i think about music videos that i was obsessed with where you like could not look up anything yet about what was going on right and things like november rain where you're just like 
what the fuck is happening in this music video? I'm just going to think about it obsessively and watch it and never reach a conclusion because right. there is no conclusion. Um, yeah, it's like all you have is what's on the screen. In a way. Like, the only thing that's more ephemeral than music videos, I guess, is perfume commercials, which are like in the same league. And sometimes they're sort of competing or influence each other, I think. These kinds yeah, of things are just, just like pure they're, vibe. They're pure vibes and they're propaganda. And it's like they were seen, you know, because not everybody was like, this is an art form, obviously. A lot of like the whole idea of like the MTV generation or whatever. And like, like people thought music videos were making people dumber, which is crazy to think about, you Insane. know, that it was like all these fast cutaways are going to make our attention spans bad, which like, sure, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, look at us now. Everybody's doing fine on that front. So. But I think the people that got the form and like, you know, I feel this way about like all the David Fincher Madonna videos, too. It's just mm. the people who understood that this could just be like an incredible format for like a three minute long short film. You know, that people are going to watch a billion times. Yes. Um, Because you get everything about the Paul Schrader vibe in this video. Like it's, you know, it's and it sells the song. It it sells me the song. And the part where he's playing shirtless in a leather jacket wearing like a trucker hat. And the leather jacket is unzipped halfway down. Like just a very... A powerful image. Sex, I really like iconic sex symbol. This look where he's got this kind of Issey Miyake looking shirt tucked into jeans and it's got like huge pockets on the front. <laughs> this is a good look. And he's walking past the pool in the middle of the hotel. Yeah, the pool with the, the see-through Bathing beauties sort of like swimming uh, alongside him. Yeah. I think it's like, and it's got that Paul Schrader thing, which I think is also like what Bob Dylan is doing in this whole era, which is like being of the 80s and critiquing the 80s, you know? Yeah. Being like, we're looking at all these beautiful, shiny surfaces that are like alluring, but also like what is in there, you know? Yes. Well, I think that's part of like part of why what you mentioned a minute ago, Evan, like Bob's like unnatural kind of uncanny screen presence is so essential here. Like, Because especially by the time we get to the end of this video, when the other video clip comes out of the lead singer's mouth and it's Bob and the two backup dancers or backup singers like doing their extremely stilted choreography where they're like gesturing at the camera, like no one's watching this and thinking like, Oh, Bob Dylan looks very comfortable and natural. No, he goes fully Club Silencio every time he's called upon. Oh, my God. <laughs> For such a great performer, it is funny. He is, like, not the well, camp. It, but, but it's also crazy. It's, like, when you see somebody like that who's so good at being themselves and then is called upon to, like, professionally play themselves yeah. in a context and cannot do it, um, it's just sort of... Because I was telling... I was trying to describe Don't Look Back to somebody the other day. Mm. I was just like, it's a movie about Bob Dylan being the funniest, meanest person on earth. (laughs) The coolest, funniest, sexiest, meanest, smartest guy. (laughs) And he's just talking and like on speed for sure, you know, and just like, like he's, you can't look away from him in that movie, you know, and it's not, it's not just because he's like young and hungry or whatever. It's also because, yeah, he's just being himself. It's a documentary. It's a different format. But the way that he's unable to do that in any way 
in a professional film context, I think is sort of fascinating. Yeah, he's too real. He can't uh, fake it. He's... Yeah, because I think like, I don't know, just to like talk about music video era too. It's like, it's crazy that Madonna is so good in Desperately Seeking Susan mm. and then never again, you know? Right. She's like incredible, basically playing herself in Desperately Seeking Susan, an incredible stage performer, incredible video music video presence, cannot do it in a movie for the life of her you know How is she in dick tracy, great in dick though. tracy <laughs> she is great in dick tracy that's true but actually. dick tracy is basically a music video that's, it's true that's... and it's like she shows flashes of being able to act but it's really fascinating to me that people like her and bob dylan who are these like you know the most famous musician you can be and that's like springsteen said he never acted because he knew it would like ruin his mystique as a rock star if he was bad at it then right. he was like that's what elvis did and like I'm just going to, you know, I might be good at it, but I'm going to not find out because right. if I'm bad at it, it, it would be too damaging. Who's your like your your list of musicians you would love to see try to act? I mean, some people are good at it. That's what's crazy. Like when I saw Tom Waits in Licorice Pizza, you know, oh, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, I'm always happy to see Tom Waits in a movie. And again, it's like occasional. It's yeah. like sometimes a Jim Jarmusch movie comes out and he's in it and, and you're like, He's somebody who is so good at doing that, you know, playing essentially the character he's playing as a musician, but in a movie. Right. Um, I, and for that matter, even in Licorice Pizza, like Alana Haim was like amazing. Yeah. Oh, She's she was great. fucking amazing also. And that's also like lightning in a bottle where I'm like, can I ever see, is she ever going to be in another movie? Or was right. this just like, she was so good, you know, because it is like some, and, and I think a lot of rappers make incredible actors, like Tupac is an incredible actor. Mm-hmm. Um. And a lot of just random actors, you know, a lot of random musicians tend are good at acting. You you just never know. Right. Uh, Bob Dylan, magnetic screen presence, maybe not uh, an Oscar winning actor, we could say. Um, but I wonder if it haunts him because it's like for guys like that where it's like when you're so naturally good at everything. Right. And then there's one thing that eludes you. And it's acting. It's something you maybe even want to do. Yeah. Because it's also crazy, like, when his painting show came out last year, and I was like, oh, shit, he can paint, and he's good at it? Well, painting is fucking hard. There's some, there's some debate about whether or not he's good at painting. I think he's good at it, but I also thought it was interesting that his choice of subject matter was entirely movies. It's like, he's clearly... I, I, I'm referring to a, a, an actual, like, a conspiracy theory that uh, Richard Prince paints his paintings. Interesting. We talked about this with uh, gallerist Tiff Siegfrieds, who uh, hipped us to the... Um, oh, I love that as a conspiracy. Strange... I mean, they do look like Richard Prince paintings now that you say that. Yeah. But also, like, I mean, then you're going to... probably not whole... all him. It's but then you're getting into a whole other discussion about, like, do any of the big name painters paint their paintings? No. Like, it's they, all Richard hire, Prince. they yeah. hire assistants and a lot of them outsource it to, like, art school students, you know, right. in China, etc., I feel like but, the Bob paintings are just too unremarkable for them to not be painted by him. I mean, I just, again, I know, just like man. assuming he's choosing the subject matter, which I do believe because it all feels very of his milieu of like, you know, dark, dark alleyways and, and kind of film noir and, and diners late at night. It's all this right. like Americana. He yeah. clearly seems like somebody who is obsessed with the power of images, you know, in some way. And again, yeah, like, just, so. Yeah, but it, like, it, that's why it's so 
remarkable to see this video where I do not think he had input about what this video was, or mo most of these were. I don't think he really has any sway about what happens in these videos for the most part, and he is probably told about them and signs off on them because he believes in something about who is doing it, whether it's how the labels like you gotta or... do a mu you gotta do a music video. Because yeah. it's 1985. If you're right. putting out an album, guess what? You're making a music video. Yeah. And at this point, <laughs> I, he he was not. Um, it, it's it's a weak point where he was maybe not as confident as he has been had been at other times because of that uh, sort of uncanny valley he found himself in uh, creatively. Yeah, I think he's a little more willing to just like go for it, go with the flow, put himself in uncomfortable positions, something that like you mentioned a moment ago, Molly Springsteen never has found himself in because he's always been super kind of conscious of his appearance and his legacy and like very manicured sort of thing. Bob, to his credit, has been willing to sort of <laughs> look like a jackass from well, time to I time. He has a more innocent view in a way. It's like he's more just like, well, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. What do I got to do to do that? Right. And right. he doesn't sit back and manicure every aspect of his personal. Right. Uh, and he's image. very, that's why I find, and you know, I love Springsteen too, but you know, I think Bob Dylan, the reason he is like such an inspirational figure is because to build a career where you peak like immediately the right. way that he did, like, what do you fucking do after that? And then. To build this career where it's just like he just always seems like he's following his own, you know, drummer in this way where even when he is sort of in the valleys of his career, which is what I love about your podcast is you get into sort of, you know, that, that even like the most brilliant genius in the world is going to have some misses and that there are no hits without the misses and like the misses can be just as interesting and like might be your personal favorite, you know? Exactly. I believe you have um, Jokerman mindset. Is that oh true? yeah. <laughs> as uh, as Stephen Hyden says, there are no bad Bob Dylan albums. There are just no. more and less interesting Bob Dylan. It's albums. also like your it's a personal preference what exactly. you find the the more and less interesting. And I think it's like he is like a director. He's like an auteur of his own yeah. career in this way. Even yes. if it's not movies based, it's like. Each album has its own vibe and is a document of where he was at that place in his career. And he never does anything that's so completely off base of like who, you know, there's always a basic Bob Dylan-ness to it. Right. Yeah, but it's like he never repeats himself. It's in it's incredible. There's always a depth to it. That's the thing that I think kept us, it really inspired us to even do this is that like, at, even at the moments that are the most confusing or baffling, you know that this is a man who is capable of this great depth and you don't unlearn that. Like there is no way to undo that kind of artistry. And it's always there. Even when he only chooses to like skate on the surface of it, right. you know, it's down there. And it's like, he has, you know, famously he doesn't pander to audiences, but it's like, there's obviously a way in which he needs his audience and is playing for them you know and so i think every time he sort of acknowledges like hey i do care what people think actually in some yes. way you know 
Yeah, if anything, I think that is the thing that, like, he needs most of all is just, like, the records and the videos themselves. Like, I think this is all equally disposable kind of shit to him, which is maybe why he's willing to go along with some of these concepts. Right, Uh, because I think it's, like, if you don't get too focused on your legacy building, especially if you have an insane legacy to the point that he does, and, like, Mm -hmm. maybe I just think about this a lot as somebody who makes a lot of content that's sort of ephemeral, that's, like, if you make something every day that's ephemeral then, you know, you are building a body of work in a way and you just fucking, you don't look back. That's there the key. You, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Ian and I can relate to that. I mean, I, I don't think <laughs> you that gotta we... Gotta keep the content journey, baby. I mean, you I think can't... also, like, as you get older and you're looking for people that are inspiring figures in that way who don't just, like, you know, peak and then kind of turn it out half-acidly for the rest of their career. It's, like, exactly. people who are, like... You know, and when, when, and let's get back to the music video so we can talk about it. Sort of, uh... Well, here's another example of uh, a music video that seems like Dylan just going, okay, and trying something. And that is when the night comes falling from the sky. Yes. Uh, this is a, it just smacks so intensely of Dylan going, all right. Yeah, maybe the most unremarkable of all of the music <laughs> videos in this thing that we're in this list that we're talking about here, because it's clearly just like someone was like, all right, we're here in Hollywood. Like they're literally driving on like Vine and Hollywood at the beginning of the, the video uh, in a school bus. Uh, and they found some like empty warehouse and rented it out for a day, probably, and just brought in a bunch of extras. And they're bopping along on on stage for like six hours and they cut it and that's it. And it's. You know, <laughs> it's just images on the screen uh, in very low contrast, low fidelity, black and white. Such a weird uh, choice also to do a video for this song. For this like, song. <laughs> one of the most like sour kind of like uh, obtuse songs on a, on this album and has terrible production. Uh, I mean, I was listening to the other version of it, like with the E Street Band. It's like so good. And Such then a you hear this song. and it's like, this is just so dour and like, it, it reminds me of like late period destroyer or something in, in some ways. It's kind of just like <laughs> this sort of unpleasant, but really forceful music. Right. It's so that, funny uh, also, cause they're doing like a classic music video format, which is like on the tour bus. But again, it's like, it's so strange. It's so, and it's just, yeah, it's like you tell like there, there's even like this like verite concept at the beginning uh, that they're trying to sell it. Like, Oh, this is just a look inside the bus with these folks. And like, it's just like off, like right from the very fucking first sniff the first second it's just like we're not in in our dimension of reality this is completely artificial how how insanely like ridiculous is it how ridiculous that the person who decided to do this in black and white was probably thinking it's like don't look back right (laughs) yeah this is very this video in particular is very 80s 60s which is another thing i'm very obsessed with was sort of like the 60s from the point of view of the 80s. Right. Yeah. Which is basically all of New Wave. But I do think it's also like New Wave kind of makes sense for Bob Dylan because it's like, yeah, ultimately, again, he's a guy who likes to write songs. And this is uh, this is his uh, his punk video. Yeah, it's it's someone's idea of a punk video. This is it's just like smacks of some like coked out record Well, when executive. they all start doing the guitar. Oh, press, yeah. And they, point because that's that literally like that's what they it's like hair metal guitar choreography yeah it's uh, so kinda, funny a, a random thought i had watching this was just like kind of thinking about how much high quality leather 
was used to create garments that look so bad in the 80s. <laughs> that, like we like the same leather that now we see used for like the highest grade garments that are like in fashion week you see go down the runway and they look great on some things now and you just look at what he's wearing here and you know that this jacket was never worn again. <laughs> it looks it looks good. It's it's the jacket is definitely up like in behind a glass case at a hard rock cafe in like Kansas City. Yeah, or something it's like, like it's that. like the jacket. It's that thing in the Sopranos where um no, Richie uh, Aprile gives, gives Tony the jacket. gives Tony the jacket from it's like the jacket from the 80s that like yes it's it's good leather. Like maybe this is expensive. But this jacket is like a relic that only had a shelf life of like three years. Yeah, but it's good leather and it's it's soaked in Bob Dylan sweat. Yeah. yeah. Someone would pay an awful lot of money for that, I guarantee you. I like his sort of uh, unbuttoned, zipped down halfway leather jacket, V-neck era. That was a look that he liked, you know, for a while there in the 80s where he would wear a shirt and was just like unbuttoned to the navel. Basically. It looks good. I'm into it. Bring it back. <laughs> Men, men, why aren't you dressing like this? <laughs> like two at two twenty, I think, um, or I'm not sure exactly where. A guy does, yeah, it's about two twenty. This man does a backflip in slow motion. Yeah. Yes, that's the part when I was like, get in the pit. Me too. I was, I was really feeling it when I saw Psyched. that. You know, when you're at the Dylan show and people just start doing backflips, doing black flat backflips exactly, and everyone's like in tank tops, and uh, that's what the Jokerman live show is going to be like. Boy, yeah, it is. I certainly hope so. That, thank you for reminding us. Jokerman Live, uh, Saturday, June 18th, Zebulon, uh, 5 p.m. Come out. It's going to be a great time. I've seen many of these looks at Zebulon, by the way. They're all coming back. The, yeah, basically, I'm sure the, the entire crowd is just going to be like everyone from all of these videos, basically, uh, throughout the era. Of if you come to the show... I will be there. You can't come in. I'm the bouncer. You can't come in unless you're wearing a leather jacket. Just unzip down to your navel. Nothing yeah. underneath. You see any even a hint of cloth other than that jacket, <laughs> you're out. It's fine Italian leather or nothing. <laughs> you're wearing underwear. You just can't. You're wearing leather on your body. This is the rules. We'll also accept uh, the, the short sleeve t-shirt on top of the long sleeve t-shirt look. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's you the only alternative. <laughs> the working man special. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's let's roll on from this because it is really one of the most unremarkable videos uh, that anyone's ever released. I want to talk about the Wilbury videos because those are just like, oh, you don't want to talk about most of the time. Well, we'll talk about most of the time, but I feel like that's a little kind of one note with when the night comes falling. I need to I need to clear my let's, palate. Let's spice it up. You sure? I I need a little bit. I need a little bit of Roy. I need a little bit of Jeff. I need a little bit of Lucky which, in my life. Which one do you want to start with, though? Do you want to start with the Wilbury twist? Or I think they're start? a package deal. I yeah. think they all come together. I will say that I had seen. I want to say "Handle with Care" is the one that they showed all the time. Yeah. yeah. And that it's I had seen, song. I had not seen the Wilbury twist. Wilbury twist is is um, just pure that, uncut Wilbury. That's the one that has uh, John, John Candy, Candy in it, yeah. and yep. also Cheech Marin. Yep, and um, Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. That's the real Millie Vanilli. I couldn't tell if it was the real Millie Vanilli or like a joke about Millie Vanilli. It is actually Millie Vanilli uh, and Whoopi and Woody together. Whoopi Goldberg, Woody Harrelson. And uh, other people, too, uh, who I think am, well, I think that might be it. It's for the not a cameras. karaoke video, but it did remind me of another very 
80s video that I like, uh, which is the Wild Wildlife video, the Talking Heads video, oh, yeah. which features mm. John Goodman instead of John Candy. But yeah, like another rotund uh, protagonist. And just <laughs> sort of the same, the same kind of like we're at a community space and everyone's just hanging out with the cool band that we all love. Yes. Um, what is Bob wearing on his feet? What is Bob wearing on his leg? Yeah, the Wilbury. Yeah, the, his look in in the Wilbury <laughs> Twist video is 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 going to be sc- studied by scholars for for centuries to come. And, you know, it's it's uh, He's absolutely wearing the leg braces from Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> what is so, that? What's incredible I... about the traveling Wilburys videos is that um, they make Bob Dylan seem like very natural compared to I think. Uh, some of the other Wilburys seem even more <laughs> uncomfortable. Eric Idle, we forgot to mention. Oh, Eric Idle, yes. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, the Wilburys videos, both of these are, you know, just pure, uh, like, dudes rock kind of content. You know, clearly just hanging out in one location, everyone standing around, miming along to a backing track. Virtually, like, no effort was put into this whatsoever. We know this right down to the Wilbury songwriting uh, legends, which involved George just seeing a box in his uh, uh, garage that said "Handle with Care," and that's the name of the number one hit single that they put out. And yet, there's something very endearing about the whole project because they none of them had to do it. I think is why it's endearing. It's like right. a rock supergroup, but it's kind of got the feeling of like session guys hanging out. Yes, yeah, it's clearly just like and and even down to like the photo shoots and stuff where they're all hanging out at someone's like Encino mansion or something so, like that. The traveling Wilburys <laughs> are the most Encino. Yeah, yeah well, Woodland Hills. I, I have it on good authority. They were in Woodland Hills a lot. Um, Woodland Hills, home yeah. of Toto. There's a very, you know, it's it's the era of supergroups. Can't you just see them all going down and like getting a tuna melt at Arts Deli or something like dude, that? Just think about this time period too. It's like this is when the record companies were probably writing the craziest checks in the world. Think no of what if they were like, hey, we've got all the biggest selling rock guys. We're going to put them in a super group. Do whatever you want. Here's a million dollars, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and they spent like a fraction of they spent like a hundred thousand dollars because they just recorded the whole thing in someone's house over a weekend and then these videos are just all of them hanging out in a warehouse for like it must have taken them forty five minutes to record the entire video right and I love it because it's like it's all these guys it's like all they want to do is make like Richie Valen songs like, yes. ultimately you know and like every well, it's rock a, it's guy. a great outlet for them I, although of course wilbury's volume three which is what, what this is from it it is sort of um you know it's it's trying a little too hard we recognize i think that the magic really the magic was gone by sits then. with with the original wilbury's where that was a truly spontaneous thing and i i have to say i kind of loathe the wilbury twist wow you, what well, oh wow Here's what I have to ask. This is what this is provoking in me. Are the Wilburys rockabilly? They can Ooh. be shit sometimes. You know, that's the proper. Like, this answer. is rockabilly, right? This yeah. is like. Yeah. And you know what? That's cool. I'm into it. Yeah. Bob I, Dylan a little bit likes rockabilly stuff, oh, too. No question. Absolutely. Anytime they, you go Americana, it's there. It's, it's, it's there. there. Absolutely. L- loads they, is the wrong word. I, I I shouldn't say it's too strong a word. <laughs> they're they're like not they're they're like 
I think what would get them over the hump to like true straight rockability is is the outfits, like the looks, because they are just very like what do I have in my closet kind of dad imagery. George is wearing like a duster and colorful like sneakers or something like that. Like it's a very strange look. But that's musically, like, spiritually, absolutely rockabilly. Well, that's like that late 80s, too. That's like a lot of when Heidi World takes place is the late 80s into the early 90s, like the long 80s. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like those peak 80s looks are pretty good. You know, those early 80s, peak, mid 80s, like kind of dirtbag guy uh, in a Hawaiian shirt. That's a great look. The late 80s, when it starts getting into like... Oh, uh, it's weird. Just these expensive suits, these big funny suits and, and just like <laughs> it's, it's so silly it it's does not like look good anybody yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it becomes those garments that like cost way more than they look good they are just so, sort of like and they're like they cost so much because it's the most fabric yeah exactly. that's <laughs> yes yeah. Well, it's it's like what you talk about in Heidi World in, in one of the, like, I forget, like the second and third episode or something, but you're talking about how like the guys who are patronizing I think Madam Alex, like they they want to pay more for the sex because that means that it's better. Basically. Right, exactly. The more money they spend on the on the suits, um, I don't think the Wilburys spent that much on their suits, but they have the same kind of <laughs> fine Italian silks, like fabric and you know leather is what this podcast is all about. Absolutely. At the, at the time of this, uh, the Wilbury twist, they they actually had promotional items, and one of them was the Wilbury twist. Licorice. licorice. It was like two pieces of licorice in a little bag. And it's a plastic bag. Wow. It's I bet that aged twist. really well. I'm sure that's uh, at a hard rock somewhere and would kill well, you. Well, it's, it. it's on eBay. Oh, okay. You guys have to get it and eat it on air and see if we you should die. Do a, yeah, we should do like a like a, a food episode or something where we just uh, try to find all of the Bob related food products and ingest oh, them yeah. and see if we make well, it. You know, we, we do minutes. need to do a food episode where we talk about. His recipes that he's set on theme time. On theme like time, his, yeah. Bob Dylan's meatball recipe. His meatball recipe. Oh, yeah. I want to know about his meatball recipe. I mean, he's just a podcaster just like us, guys. Absolutely. That's right. No question about it. If he were 100%. our age, he would absolutely be podcasting right now. Well, I now. think um, a lot of these guys also, you're like, if they were our age, they would have a podcast and then they would never do anything else. Uh, yeah, That's exactly. what um, Quentin Tarantino said that, where he was just like, if they had had podcasts when I was 20, I would have just... Had a podcast never, about yeah, movies and never true. made a movie. <laughs> right. Well, I'm gonna try to uh, work against that in my personal life by being, uh, you know, still having artistic ambitions outside of this podcast. But I don't uh, know that I'll succeed. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, podcasting it is an artistic ambition. You're right. That's correct. Exactly. We're listen. You know, folks need friends these days. That's what podcasts are here folks for. Folks needs friends. We all love talking about the mid career output of bob dylan bingo and straight up i feel like the the thing about podcasting right now is like well when are we gonna slow down and digest the 20th century maybe this is the time when we ought to be doing that for like a couple decades oh yeah that's all i do because because it's over american history is over yeah. it ended uh in 2000 and if not in 2000 then on 9-11 obviously and right. uh we're With in the, the release decline of theft yeah, with exactly. Speaking of which, wow, that, incredible segue. <laughs> Do we uh, have any other periods leading up to uh, what else we, we got? We don't. Uh, well, we do, we've got 
uh, what else do we have? Let's touch on, let's do Unbelievable, because I think that that one is also in this Wilburys era, and it's it's really yeah. kind of an uncanny... We don't, we don't really it's... have to touch on Handle with Care because everyone knows it's good and it's Handle with Care know, is a one. It's beautiful. We love the we love the old shots, the the image of baby Roy. Oh, just and makes the my little, makes little Bob my, and baby Roy. Makes my face just light up with joy. Yeah, and, and Bob Dylan feels less awkward when you surround him with like other guys that are like Bob Dylan who are like yes. yeah. hey, he's, in I just wanna... he's in his natural habitat. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like all these videos were shot in the same warehouse. Yeah, like yeah exactly. The same warehouse, the same weekend, and then they all went bowling on, yeah. Ventura, on Ventura Boulevard afterwards. So yeah. unbelievable. 1990 stars a video guy who is not Johnny Depp, but kind of in the same space as like the Tom Petty video with Johnny Depp in it. Yep, it's very yep. like a thing that the old rock guys started to realize they could do more and more, which was just like cast some actors. You don't even have to be in the video that much. Do the Aerosmith thing and just make a little movie and then sometimes you're there you're there and there's also a pig for some reason and music and videos have gotten so much more baroque since you know joker man that yes. yeah at this point it's like <laughs> yeah why not we'll have bob driving a limo and there's a pig in the back seat for absolutely no reason whatsoever and there's also this competing simultaneous narrative where there's the fake johnny Depp it's more up like with a molly fake, ringwald he's like and, a fake matt dylan kind of yeah yeah but it's just like it's kind of yeah it's like americana molly ringwald like, and some guy and they're driving around in an old car i thought he's supposed to be like dean moriarty uh or something he's supposed mm-hmm. to be like that kind of character uh we should mention bob is dressed as a chauffeur and and he is wearing like a leather duster and a little uh driving cap and a vest and there's this, there's a lot of great shots of him smiling and just being a, a funny little guy. He looks incredible. He's, he looks great in this video because in this video he doesn't have to be cool. He gets to be like a silly man, and yeah, that is I think role. a pivotal shift in the Bob Dylan visual canon. Where yes. at, where from <laughs> from here on out he says, you know what? Fuck being a leading man. I want to be a character actor, and that's where he belongs. I think you're right. Uh, we've got the guy gets in a fight at the bar for whatever reason. Just some some neighborhood toughs stroll in and decide to start beating him up for no reason. Uh, and then Molly Ringwald smacks one of them in the face with a chair, and they make a quick escape. And they're on the run, sort of a sort of a um, um, wild at heart. Yeah, vibe very much to a it. wild at heart kind of like um, you know American road trip. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, they, what happens at the end? They like have sex and then Molly Ringwald makes off with the guy's car for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's like fine. With, yeah, a lot of the stuff at this time, not a whole lot of effort put into it. Uh, Perry 1990, <laughs> also pretty rockabilly. Yes. I do like seeing the, the windmills uh, out there. This is clearly filmed like right outside of Palm yeah. Springs. Um, I like seeing Bob in his little outfit. Yeah, it's great. We Me too. It. What this else really got? feels like it's like playing on a TV in in a hard rock cafe and with the sound <laughs> off. Yes. <laughs> um, couple more. Well, did we want to say anything about most of the time? Because we have yes, gotten past I, that. I would like to say the floor is open about this. to you uh, to say yes. You 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 sir in the bucket hat. 
for for mo- well, I don't even know why I'm wearing this. Uh, <laughs> the the video for most of the time is one of the weirdest videos uh, for uh, music videos uh, because <laughs> it is just like it it invites so much speculation about like okay, why did Bob Dylan insist that they just use the live recording of this video? Like the, there's not. It's not the song from the the record. Completely it's, different version of the it's song. It's a totally different version for this video that does not sound better than the, the one. It sounds on the much, record. much worse. <laughs> much worse. Uh, and it seems like Dylan had some some say in this one, and that's why I'm very interested in it. Because it seems like it, it is the way it is because of because like nobody no suit would make these decisions this i've got a dealing. theory on this actually a little bit of trivia uh this video one of the first directorial efforts by one jesse dylan oh. of american wedding uh and kicking and screaming and soros fame bob dylan's second son jesse dylan the great film director and current nft maven uh this is one of his first efforts this smacks of Jesse being like, hey, dad, I want to make a music video. Will you give me $500,000 and let me do this? And this is the inevitable result. That sounds right. Yeah. His, his voice is so croaky and haggard on it. This is the time. My head is on state most of the time. I'm strong enough not to hate. I do really like this video a lot. Um, it's a very raw performance that uh, I think is committed to being very raw to the point where they include an extremely unflattering and non-together ending where you can see the drummer trying to end the song where they can just do it clean. And it just tapers off in a yep. kind nope. of fucking weird little <laughs> thing. And it it's that's all and it's just it's still in just sort of like in dark sunglasses and sort of another grungy looking warehouse uh like a weird a weird coat that's like neither short enough nor long enough it like ends <laughs> like like yeah, it's a, it's six like inches above coat. his knees it's kind of like uh i think he wore some of that stuff like in the in the early to mid 60s he was he was kind like of like to duster yeah right now yeah. like that picture of him on the that cobblestone street he might be yeah he had a little of bit of a victorian pickpocket thing yeah, yeah like a little out. orphan boy sort of vibe um and anyway he's a little orphan man in this uh, <laughs> video and he's it's still one of the greatest songs ever and so i i'm happy to hear it any way i can and the novelty factor is just like fun for us one of the most confounding video efforts in a series of just confounding video <laughs> efforts. All he um, does is confound. That's his way. Let's uh, flash forward 21st century material. Things have changed from the great Wonder Boys. Okay. <laughs> have you, Molly, seen this movie? Does, has anyone seen this movie? Yeah, I've, I've never seen, seen one. Oh, I've oh, seen God. Wonder Boys. Oh, God. I have not. It's great. Well, what is it? 
It's a movie based on a Michael Chabon book that okay. he wrote, Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. And right. it's about um, a professor, and like a, just a professor whose life is falling apart. And it, it's like a novel. And then it's a movie that's like a novel. It looks um, like Michael, is Michael Douglas the Yeah, it starts Michael Douglas in, in a... Michael Douglas playing one of my favorite male archetypes, the guy in a ratty bathrobe that's always like coming open. Right. <laughs> um, and he's like a stoner professor. I loved this movie, actually. Wow. I don't, hey, I, I haven't seen it since it. it came out, but I loved it. And I loved the soundtrack because the soundtrack was entirely stuff like this and like Old Man by Neil Young. And like it, it was all just sort of like 60s guy. What, you know, what's the 60s man up to now? Which yeah, is, um, turn of the century. You know, speaking of like processing the 20th century, the main, uh, <laughs> the main thrust. Great uh, ensemble th- cast. Uh, you've got Robert Downey Jr. You've this got like, Tobey Maguire. This was from when Robert Downey Jr. had just been let out of actor jail for, for his drug stuff. And he was making his comeback of like, hey, remember Robert Downey Jr.? He's like the world's most charismatic actor. Right. And he's really good in this movie, if I remember correctly. Um, and he did a bunch of stuff like that. And then he made Iron Man and never made a good movie again. Yeah. yeah. Well, he never made one that wasn't <laughs> Iron Man, except for Dr. Doolittle, a movie yeah, that uh, but he, we all know that. He had this little that. stretch when he was making his comeback where he did like Wonder Boys and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and a bunch of movies where you were like, damn, remember how good Robert Downey Jr. is? Like, talk about a guy you just put him in a movie and he's good mm-hmm. and yeah and then he uh then he's in the marvel verse now yep, speaking a of a guy man. a guy who's good in a movie i'll say that uh dylan delivers his possibly best screen performance of all time in this video i think he's so great here and he seems so comfortable and he's like doing everything right i, I love agree. every I, I... inch of this I do think this is when he starts to come into his own as a music video guy again, who to understand what he can do with the music video and and use it uh, for to really uh, do the late career kind of like, hey, remember me? I'm the coolest guy in the world thing. Yes. Well, boy, I think this does is, he. This is the Jack Frost era. And so this is like the beginning of him really knowing not just how he is going to be in a music video, but I think remembering for himself, like how to be Bob Dylan in a I major th- way, all artistically. And you just see that kind I of think oozing this, out of him. Right. And I think like at that point in his life too, it's like, you don't have to burnish the legacy anymore. You've made it through the mid career, the Valley where nobody's as excited to see you anymore as they were at first, but you're still around and you're still, you know, trying to top yourself always, but like maybe it's diminishing returns from here on out and you just make peace with it. And then guess what? Surprise. You have the ace up your sleeve. That is uh, just the late career uh, back to the basics blues the man thing. 25 years of his career at this point. Real, uh, real cultural reinvention. He's clearly got a little more cachet. He's got a little more sauce, a little more juice in this video. He's got you can a little tell. more juice. Oh, yeah. Look at like, him. He's he's. He was born to be an old guy, you know? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. even when he was a young guy, his whole persona was that he was like an old, wizened, you know? That's a great point, actually, because there, mm-hmm. there are people, and Bob's a perfect example of this, but there are people who, like, 
they're meant to be young people or old people or middle-aged people. Bob is clearly like he was meant to be young. He was meant to be old. He was not meant to be between the ages of like 40 and 55. Yeah. I mean, who among us? And I think also, yeah, like he's, he's so, he's so good at being like old wizard Bob Dylan. Um, I don't know if you guys follow the Instagram account, old Jewish man, but no, it well, is, uh, who, who, is it exactly, exactly what it sounds like. It's exactly what it post? sounds like. I mean, people, Bob would definitely get on there. It's a lot of like the fashion of old Jewish men, particularly just guys in New York on the street. Okay. Um, and you know, some some uh, some Larry David, obviously, but but of also course. some some less uh, less championed old Jewish men of fashion. Um, but I think I think Bob Dylan was born to be an old Jewish man, and I think. That's Same, his final you know. form. And like truly, yeah, truly also who among us. Like, I think part of his whole thing is, yeah, that he's been like the wandering Jew his whole career. And then he really comes into it in this phase where he's like, you know what? I am like the weird fucking wizard outsider man. Nobody else is like me. And... I'm just going to lean all the way into that. Yeah, like yes. I'll never be 80s guy. I'll never be 90s guy. You know, he's not even like 60s guy. That was his whole He wasn't 60s guy. Struggle yeah. is that he was like I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm not I don't want to be the voice of my generation. I want to be me. He's a guy for now actually. He's a man who He's a 20s guy. He's a 1920s he guy and he's guy, a 2020s guy. But he's not exactly. <laughs> I love that theory. But I do think it's like he does also, he doesn't fall into the trap that like other old timey guys do fall into. He's not like fucking Woody Allen, who's like, in the 20s, I would have been cool and popular somehow. And it's just that I'm not made for these times. It's like, Bob Dylan, it's like he, there's just such like a Zen practice to his artistry. He's so prolific and he just keeps going. And so I assume it's just like you, he hits roadblocks and he just keeps going always. And then that's it. Right. And like people catch up with you. And, and also if you sit out the period where you're not trendy anymore and you don't change anything about yourself and you're basically the same, it's like people come back to it and they're like, Oh yeah, we got burned out on this and, you know, turned on it. And now we are unturning on it. Where we're dancing around the, obvious thing staring us right in the face which is why does dylan feel so connected what so charismatic so with it with this song and it's the song things have changed where he says i used to care but things have changed (laughs) there's a reason why i think he's so interested so game to do this song with as much vigor as he's putting in because i think it speaks to him where he's at right here a lot of water under the bridge a lot of other stuff too yeah and like i think also what i was saying about kind of the end of the 20th century you know this was a man who like summed up the 20th century in a lot of ways and guess what 20th century is over and it's never coming back it's like if you had any investment in the american project like you know especially i can't imagine what it's like to be a 60s radical and then just watch the state clamp down on everything cool that you ever thought might happen, you know, right. everything good. And the song is so nihilistic, but it's like, 
I don't know, I feel really drawn to this philosophy in general, which is kind of like an optimistic nihilism where it's well, like, yeah, it's like hope can be the worst thing for you to make spiritual progress. And maybe that's like, that's also very Jewish to me. It's like, it's yeah. very like a serious man to be like, I will just assume the worst constantly. Right. And mm. then if anything good ever happens by accident, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Expect yeah. the worst. Um, but also this kind of like the perpetual now, like you were saying, it's like, this is a man who never stops traveling, who never stops touring. Always on the road, headed for another joint. Uh. Is, uh, <laughs> Molly, you've seen uh, Wonder Boys. Is that Rip Torn that it I'm It is seeing? Rip Torn with Dancing yeah. with Katie Holmes. Guys, Incredible. Wonder Boys is a, I remember it being a great movie. Also, isn't it Curtis Hansen who directed LA Confidential? Whoa. Curtis okay. Hansen, I love Curtis Hansen, and I feel like Curtis Hansen is one of those guys. He directed LA Confidential. He's one of these people who made a million great movies, but yeah, he's kind of like a Warren Zevon of directors, you know, where he's like, he's now he doesn't get to be in the top five for a lot of people, but the people who love him are like, like he's such a good director. He's so right. good at it, and maybe his weakness is that he's incredible at just every genre, and he doesn't have mm. like a signature genre. He's just good at everything and a journeyman and again i really just respect that in people and in people whose work i admire and that's one of the things i respect and admire about bob dylan is like i think we all feel that way about ourselves you know we're all so good (laughs) at at so many things and it's relatable you know when when right someone like that the joker man can't control their talent um but yeah i mean i think um Again, just sort of that thing of like, even, you know, even if you made the greatest movie ever made, if you made, if you're Bob Dylan and you've written all a bunch of the best songs of all time, that you're the type of person who's like, but what if the next one is the one? What right. if the, you know, and or, also or reaching in, a point where you're like, I don't even, even the stri- the striving like is the act, you know? Like yeah, the, I think that's, that's an interesting point. And that's, I think, where Dylan seems to have gone for a while is like, well, I did. I I lapped myself to infinity and beyond. So like now I have to just get down to like what the basic root of all music is. What am I? What are we even doing here? Like let's yeah. just get to bare meaning. And I think and, all these guys, like these guys that are auteurs, essentially of of, and I think because they were in a unique position in the 20th century with media to like take advantage of all the different forms of media mm-hmm. to kind of craft this auteur image of like, you know, people like David Bowie too, you know, and, and then to get to this point in your career where it's like, you know, cause David Bowie too, I just think it's like, yeah, you never want to put on the Ziggy Stardust makeup again. You never want to be right. treading where you already tread, even though it's like somewhere anyone else would kill to <laughs> go. Anti Gene Simmons who, who found a thing and did it forever. And I also respect people who have a gimmick and do it forever. Like some of those people, it's a good gimmick. Like I think, you know, I sure. like to point out that Tom Waits grew up like outside San Diego because it's very funny to me that he's like <laughs> San Diego serenade. You know, and then he's like the railroad man. It's like um, you play a character, but you, you know, the people that do the best job don't get trapped in the character. But this also seems like the point where Bob Dylan fully outsources the act of being Bob Dylan to a character that is this kind of weird old wizard man 
Yeah. He's reached like a new uh, level, like a new kind of Zen synthesis of all the previous Bob Dylans that had led up until this point and, you know, is just completely in control of all of his faculties. Yeah. Moving metal with his mind. We've said before, but he's like the rare example where, you know, somebody actually adds up to more than the sum of their parts, where like as you get older, like this person, you can see how every year he's lived has actually added to something. It's not like, He's getting worse. He, he just never, getting... he, he's f- incapable of phoning it in. And that is really fascinating. That's and admirable. That's, yeah, it's admirable, but it's also why it's funny when he can't act. Because you're like, here's a guy <laughs> who gives everything 100% and he's giving it 100%. Well, and it's he, just, it's not his thing. <laughs> failing miserably. He doesn't have to act at all in the video for Beyond Here Lies Nothing. Yes. Which is... um. A song I love so much uh, from a record that I love so much that I, I wonder if Molly, do you know the record uh, Together Through Life? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, my, my dad is a big Bob Dylan guy. I, I've heard, I've heard them all. Um, there's and anyone out there listening, there's no shame in not knowing not the record knowing, Together yeah, Through Life okay. because it is the least remarkable album in Bob Dylan's entire discography. And I say that with oh. a great deal of uh, affection for it. There's something uh, very um, attractive about it to me in its like just chillness. It's yeah, lack it's just of... tossed off. It's like exactly. It's so great, and this song is the the title track, the standout track. Um, and it has a video that is probably the most high concept in a lot of ways that uh, we've seen so far. Like, and the one of, that doesn't have Bob in it. Yeah, no Bob in here, and it's a very. I, I mean, do you want to talk about it? And I, I. I mean, it's just fun to look at. I don't know that there's much to say because clearly this was like they brought in professional, like someone who actually knows what they're doing with a music video. Uh, here, it's sort of just like a a, a quick. Sh- it's shocking uh, about a violence between. Uh, some like shit kicking guy who has kept a woman chained up in his apartment or something and she escapes and they basically beat the shit out of each other uh, until she escapes and stabs him with a knife and runs him over with a car and then seems like she affectionately It's a metaphor. It. It's a metaphor for yeah. relationships. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the song Beyond Here Lies Nothing uh, seems to be all about how, uh, yeah, I guess like the futility of a relationship and, and the... Uh, the allure of it at the same time. So you've got uh, these two fucked up people fucking each other up and then ostensibly... It's Pop Dylan smack my bitch up. Yeah. <laughs> That's a shocking twist at the end. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of a weird dichotomy to me between the music and the video. Like, it, they don't, like, no, fit it's very together. Like, no, it's very, the like, way they're juxtaposed. make a video yeah. for the uh, song but, and do whatever you want. And and even still, the way they're juxtaposed, the fact that they don't fit together, like they do fit together in that way, like some, I don't know, it's, it's, there's some, you know, it's a great video and a great song. Yeah, very grim, uh, mid, two th- like 2009. Yeah. Uh, very orange, like, brown, yellow kind of a, color it's palette. It's a post-history video. It's uh, yeah. after the end of history. Well, yeah, exactly. Once all the problems were solved and everything great uh, is, is happening, then we can make videos like this where we pretend like bad things still happen in the world <laughs> uh because we know of course they don't uh speaking of bad things uh, happening, happening in, the, in world, the world 
Uh, maybe that brings us to the last video. Did you did you watch this last one that we sent, Molly? Oh the boy, subterranean. did I. The Subterranean okay. remake. Before before we talk about it, just do you have any any thoughts to offer off off top? No, but I mean, like Subterranean Homesick Blues, we did not talk about, but I do think it's like obviously been credited as maybe being the first music video, one of the first music videos ever, the original, uh, and was sort of, you know. Yeah, synthesizing like experimental art, short film type guy stuff with what would become the music video with like we're making something to promote this thing, essentially. Yes. Um, One of the most important like three minutes of visual art, I think, in general ever, basically, like hard stop. No question. Yeah. And like fluxacy and, and, you know, and and. And it's funny because it's like that's one of those things where when you watch the original, you're like, it's still it's so immediate. It's so smart. It's so funny. It's so good. It's like the best music video you've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it is the best music video. <laughs> and the remake, the like, you know, this is very much like the label put something out and was like, <laughs> we got to do something for the 60th anniversary of this song and kind of deflate everything cool and sexy and uh you know edgy about the original but yeah i just think um whenever people try to like t- burnish the 60s legacy in that way it's like you know it does make it seem so corny and like yeah yeah we all know <laughs> but then but then you watch the original and you're like man yeah all those it's- words that could apply to the original uh Think of the opposites, and they apply to this video, basically. Yeah, it's like they, they sucked all the air out of it. They didn't do anything cool. I kind of was like, just because I hadn't seen it, I was like, maybe they'll do some kind of a interesting update on this idea. And it's like, no, definitely not. Like, the last time somebody, a, like, literally the last time tea. someone did this and, and succeeded was that Van Halen right now video. You know, it's like the idea of text and image at the same time you know very powerful but uh this is not it this ain't this it. Is not it yeah no it's so contrived it's so just it's just weak i mean in a way like galaxy brain here but it is like as a as in a commentary on the commercialization of the 60s and the way in which uh all of these revolutionary ideas and things were co-opted into you know advertising really good sum up of that <laughs> i think i think you get, you're on to something it's there. very like like i'd like to buy the world a coke it's like remember all the fun we had you know burning down the government and it's like no we didn't do it enough that's yeah. the whole point we can't look back on this fondly because we still need to do all we still need to levitate the pentagon <laughs> and this is not cutting it this video we heard in 1967, don't look, we, we, we've known for 50 years, don't look back. And this is what happens when you do. Yeah, you, you get, don't, you turn right. into a pillar of salt. The corniest right. thing imaginable uh, with, a, with a fucking corresponding Instagram filter and text in the video description uh, that I'm reading uh, verbatim right now. I just discovered, uh, ask your voice device to play Bob Dylan, exclamation. <laughs> Kind of reminiscent also of when the Beatles put out that big anthology and they had a like a song with uh, Bob Dylan, not Bob Dylan, when the Beatles put out a big anthology and they had a song with John Lennon with like an old track. Do you remember this? Free as a Bird. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, it has like, like a ghostly John Lennon in the video and it's just like, 
you know what? Leave it alone. Yeah. This is similar to, to me. We just talked about this yesterday when we were talking to Will, Evan, but this is this is very yeah. similar to you seeing Paul with the fucking get back footage in the in the back. Just yeah. like beating a dead horse here, man. Oh man. At I least love... that's just raw footage, you know. That is the best thing. The worst thing of seeing Paul McCartney live is seeing just these like shit like this where it's just like some some hack made some like CGI. Sure. I do video, and like, Bullshit. I, don't, I don't know if you guys have done McCartney episodes, but I do think McCartney is like a super interesting 60s guy he, in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, another guy where I'm just like, man, this guy could have really rested on Blackbird for the rest of his fucking life. And instead he made a bunch of super weird albums with synthesizers mm-hmm. and he got really obsessed. I've been really obsessed with because I, I listened to Holiday Road, the Lindsay Buckingham song. Oh, from I love the, that. I love that. National stuff. Lampoon's Vacation. And I got obsessed with, I had always thought it was Christine McPhee in the back doing the backing vocals mm-hmm. on Holiday Road. I always thought it was like Fleetwood Mac off duty doing the backing vocals on Holiday Road. No, it's all Lindsay Buckingham pitch shifting himself to sound like Fleetwood Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like Which Lindsay Buckingham. He became obsessed with doing, but I'm like he and and John and uh, he Paul, and yeah. Paul McCartney both became obsessed with replicating with a synthesized orchestra the sound of a multiple person band mm-hmm. that they had been in before. Right. Um but also yeah, just with like chasing their own weird dragons down this synthesizer path which is like i'm ready for the for the bob synth album that you know any day now yeah. well we we got as close as we we're ever gonna get with uh empire burlesque and it mostly was just people who were in the room who felt similarly and you know i'm sure if we were there in the 80s we probably also would have not been able to resist being like bob why don't you uh Try the what? What if I play this chord? Yeah, hey Bob, I got this Moog. I think you might <laughs> like it. Remember when you went electric? Yeah, this is going electric again. But Bob, I do think you I, know. <laughs> everybody hated Trans, the Neil Young album, and it, it has aged unbelievably well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, also, man. yeah, I think like also like some of sample and hold. Some of the stuff you guys talk about on this show that was considered lesser Bob Dylan output at the time, it's like, now you listen to it and it's like, no, it's not. It is in no way lesser. I think it is incredibly hard to sustain a career through the middle. I think the middle is the hard part. You know, I think it's like, maybe the hardest part is breaking in at all, but then it's like, to to keep going up till the point where you become a legacy act, it's, it's like, it's it's hard to, it's people don't think about how many times that, you know, you could fail. I think it's like at this point in Bob Dylan's career, it's like just assumed that he would have been successful forever. But it's like, no, there were many points at which people wrote him off. He was considered washed up. He was, you know, considered less than he used to be in some way. And so to be compete, yeah, you can't look back because you can't compete with your younger self, especially if you're fucking Bob Dylan. Yeah. And that Sony and Columbia is why you don't put out a fucking subterranean homesick blues 2022 remake video for the 60th anniversary, especially when you tease it like it's going to be new tease music. it like it's going to be him you doing bastards. something. Yeah, well, because it would be funny if it was like Bob Dylan making a YouTube video like that. I honestly feel like he would do also because I do think he's just very like never closed off to things and has a good sense of humor about especially his own legacy, which like not everybody does, you very know? Much so. Yeah. 
he's the most self-deflating, self-deprecating person, which again, very Jewish, but it's like... When he thinks about it at all, and and in this case, I don't even know that he knows this video exists. No, I I don't think he he knows this came out, and nor should he. I don't need him to be on TikTok. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the ultimate power position anyone can be in is to let your mystique do the work for you a little bit, because that's actually... Once people want it, you know, then all you have to do is show up and do the card magic every once in a while. And everyone knows you're going to be good every time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, for one, am very pleased that the only tweets that ever come from the at Bob Dylan Twitter account say like, pre-order his book at Barnes & Noble for 25% off. That's the only kind of social media contact I ever want to get from Bob Dylan. It's all you're going to get. It's true, oh, although God. I do do want to recommend to Joker Men fans the uh, David Crosby Twitter is amazing. Crosby's like. incredible on Twitter. <laughs> well, if you like 60s gossip and beef. God, he's annoying. But you he's, he's, he's so good. I didn't say he's not good, but he is just a little... Crosby's great on Twitter. There are certain people that would be great on Twitter, certain ones that would not be great. Bob would not be great. I think Crosby is great. I think Neil would be great on Twitter, but he obviously, like, that's not a very Neil kind of thing. Right. Again, just the biggest flex is not to do it. Exactly. Who knows? Maybe they're lurking. Maybe they're lurking on Jokerman. Yeah. Maybe they're just on, you know, some sort of alt or something. We know Bob listens to the radio, you know? Just. (laughs) I think when you're that famous, it's like people can't imagine you doing a mundane task and it works to your advantage to be like, that's right. I never do anything mundane. I just show up on stage and that's the only time you'll catch me, you know? Um, To Bob Dylan, doing a music video is pretty mundane. It is mundane. And it's like he doesn't have to. He didn't have to do it, I think. But again, I think he's curious. And I think the... I think if we're going to vote on the videos, which I've just decided we're doing. Let's do it. Uh, what's everyone's favorite video out of the videos we watched today? I mean, just based on uh, based on the quality of the video itself, it's got to be Joker Man for me because that's just unimpeachable uh, from a quality perspective. Heart, that, that's my brain pick. My heart pick, it's got to be Tight Connection. I, uh, I think my favorite... I'm just going to say for um, the sake of being contrarian and because obviously Joker Man, number one, like by default, I just love his performance and things have changed Mm -hmm. because he's so uh, he he just like really is in a video full of superstar actors. He's the most interesting person to watch. That's a great point. Molly. Um. I mean, yeah, it's got to be tight connection to my heart uh, yeah. for pure music video. Like this is goes in a music video hall of fame, and also just the, yeah, as a time capsule of like kids. Here's what music videos were. Yeah, here's um, ni- here's everything you need to know about 1985. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you about the things have changed. Video, I just also you tight know. connection is is so great, and I wonder if the end of tight connection if there was like a a cut that didn't get made where it has the ending Paul Schrader does for every movie with the, the pickpocket ending with somehow Paul, uh, Bob is like behind bars and he puts his hand up to his beloved who's on the other side. Um, if that exists somewhere, I must see that. <laughs> it feels like a trailer for a movie that I would like to watch, I think is the main thing. Oh like, God, yeah, imagine. I do want to watch. I'm, I would like this to be a movie, so not just so I can understand what's happening in the plot and why this wig is tumbling down a flight of stairs repeatedly, but... <laughs> the, the powder blue wig. <laughs> it's not powder blue either in the video. 
but yeah, I think uh, Joker Man is the one that I could not stop. I became medically addicted to. Um, but it's also because it's it's such a good song. What a song! It's the one that started it all, uh, like Snow White in, in Disney. As a director of the video, George Lois put it, it's art in your fucking face. For sure. And I think it's like his touch of gray in a way. It's like the thing that's both sums up your entire career to that point and is also completely like accessible to anybody mm-hmm. that's yeah. never heard you before. Totally. Be like, oh yeah, this is a fucking jam. Well, folks, you heard it here. Joker Man, good music. Um... Molly, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank uh, you. What, uh, where, where, where can people follow along? What should they be listening to from you right now? Thanks for having me. You can listen to Heidi World, the Heidi Fly story and the secret history of L.A., now playing on all your podcast networks uh, from iHeartRadio podcasts. And you can find me on Twitter at Molly Lambert and on Instagram at Molly underscore Lambert. And yeah, invite me on all of your uh boomer uh rock icon podcasts because that is my wheelhouse actually (laughs) we've got we've got all sorts of fun surprises planned for jokerman phase two i would actually love to do a mccartney episode now that that has been i would would love to return for mccartney to yeah talking about temporary secretary i just uh... i think uh i think it's in the air think um i think also the harry styles uh album that came out that ever that mick jagger was talking shit i just love when rock stars talk shit on young kids was people. mick jagger talking shit on that? oh I, yeah I, I, he was yeah, like harry he... styles is nothing like me he doesn't move like me he doesn't <laughs> dance like me um and i wore way more eyeliner and looked way more androgynous than he does <laughs> which yeah. i thought was so cool because like you don't have to say anything and i also loved when paul mccartney talked shit about the stones in that new yorker profile and was like oh yeah they were a blues rock bar band <laughs> like we were the fucking beatles because <laughs> you would think those people wouldn't be petty at this point and like of course they are that's how they got to this point you know, yeah, so they they've got only grown position. more more petty in their old age and i think paul is fascinating because paul's image is obviously that he's like a sweetie nice guy but he's very fucking driven and competitive and ambitious paul, yes yeah paul is like 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 fucking patrick bateman basically just yeah like, and so I, I do think actually like that harry styles album is very mccartney and linda mccartney era like it feels to me like he's very much pushing the sort of like I'm the pride of England and I love to just like cuddle up with me lady and also <laughs> write some tunes about it. Um, but I think, I think McCartney too is in, in the sort of same universe. Cause again, how do you have a mid period career after you were in the fucking Beatles and you're like 30 when you get out? Like what the fuck do you do with the rest of your life? You know? Yeah, and he did a lot of things that he could have, he could have just written love songs and made a billion dollars forever and he did a bunch of weird shit instead and made a billion dollars and made a billion dollars (laughs) 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 and might be the last beetle standing we'll see although ringo never count out ringo i'd also ringo's gonna live to be be? like 120 (laughs) he's just floating on a pure cloud of good vibes like 100 percent of the time 
I also, just because Jeff Lynn came up today, I wonder if you've done any ELO. I haven't done an ELO episode. Because I Mm-mm. also, but I think... Phase two of Jokerman is, uh, you know, it's no secret now. The cat's out of the bag. The Bob Dylan era of Jokerman is near uh, an end. Uh, you know, we'll come back to Bob when... The Bob Dylan it's... exclusive, you should yeah. say. Yeah. Yes, exclusive. Well, I think you're getting into the Jokerman extended universe, which is exactly where you belong. And yeah, I think looking at all these kind of legacy career artists who managed to make incredible art for a lot of money in a system that doesn't lend itself to that at all. Um, yeah. Those are those are all fascinating people. I'd love to see you guys do some Joni also, like oh, that would, that's a good noted idea. Uh, noted uh, disliker of Bob Dylan. Joni noted Mitchell. disliker of Bob Dylan, but also just yeah, I think she and Dylan are kind of kindred in a way that they also just were like, I am not this thing you keep telling me I am. I am not right. this person that David Geffen sold me to be, and you know, with the song for free too, just sort of be being a musician who does it for no money and then ends up making more money than anyone will ever make to tour ever again and then keep living like you've seen the mountaintop and also you know in some way that your music is just as good as when you got paid nothing you know it also seems like the people who are like spoken in the same breath as dylan they're like they all kind of hate each other in a way they all hate each other because again yeah they're all they're all divas they're all (laughs) Because uh, you have to be to be an artist, I guess, and to and to care about your your output over a long period of time like that. But also, they all know each other from parties, yeah. and yeah, I want to hear the only other people that like exist on that same rarefied, you know, stratosphere is everyone. Right, else. Like, and Joni and, and right. Bob both started being like, "I'm a, I'm just a blues man." Stop, you know, I'm not the voice of the 60s. Yeah, jo- just, Joni went a little too far. She went a way too man. far. She wore some blackface uh, on an yeah. album cover. I mean, she's also like super problematic, which I think is like interesting. Fun to talk about. Because it's for like sure. she's she's just as much of a crazy guy as all the guys, you know? Yes. And yeah. those are my but, gals. <laughs> I mean, you, you sold me on, on us doing a, a Joker Women uh, episode. Oh my God, Joni. please bring me back for Joker Women. I have so many thoughts. I love the women of the 70s more than anything you know and no that sounds great uh, this is a, a, a another direction we'll, yeah, we'll definitely I mean, go please I, I i'm officially a joker woman and uh, <laughs> i'm gonna go joker pill everybody you are you're one of like three who've been on the show um if there's anything i love it's coming into male-dominated spaces and making fun of the men and that is uh, winning exactly them over what, that is exactly what we need ribbing yeah. them gently about how we all love Bob Dylan because we're dorks. <laughs> um, cool. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank, thank you. That you, was, Molly. This was a great pleasure for us. This, this was, was fantastic. Extremely fun. Folks out there, uh, remember Jokerman, Zebulon, June 18th, 5 p.m. Be there, be square, or uh, wear a leather jacket there, without a shirt. Square. Be there or be square. Wear a leather jacket or multiple t-shirts or like a weird pork pie hat. And a bolo tie. I have seen some pork pie hats at Zebulon lately. Believe you me. So oh, wear, wear a little straw hat. You know, wear a little <laughs> straw hat and nothing else. <laughs> Jokerman. Sailing.